Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile. In the next hour, Dr. Pat showcases some of the world's most influential people in the fields of health, wellness, and human potential. Get ready to live life full out. Here's your host, Dr. Pat Basile. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By. And what a great show we have planned for you today. I want to just take a moment and thank all of you for tuning us in and turning us on and being such incredible supporters of the work that we've done over these past eight years. Without your support, without you being who you are, we certainly could not be doing what we're doing. Not only are we excited about the direction that the Dr. Pat Show is going, but we're very excited about the direction of our new network, transformation, the Transformation Network. And you're going to hear lots about that. It's been a dream of mine for years to have a virtual space for everything transformative. And all of the planets seem to be aligning perfectly to let that happen. So imagine this place that you could go to be able to find out more about topics like absolutely incredible, uplifting tools, stories for thriving, prosperity, living life full out, health, wellness, all of that. Imagine that this place does exist. Then imagine that this place as visited by people like Dr. John Martini, who does the intro for this show, Wayne Dyer of Doreen Virtue, and my guest uh, today, Dr. Marilyn Montero. I mean, imagine being able to find exactly what you want to find to give you something in your day to help you look forward to the rest of your life. That's why we do what we do here on the show. It has been our intention from day one to reach people across the globe. And for whatever reason, the timing, the year, the planetary alignment, spirit, you name it, this is the time. You know, nobody said it better than than Joel Olstein when he wrote his book uh, and his best-selling, you know, crazy best-selling book, It's Your Time. And he's talking to all of us. He's talking to you. He's talking to me. He's talking to all the folks here at the station. He's talking to Mikey. He's talking to my guest. He's saying, it's your time. This really is a time for all of us to forget about language like downturn and look that look at that as an upturn, going up, rising above, and to really not talk about recession. Let's talk about progression. You know, if we think about the language and the energy and the flow in our world today, it is so easy, as my friend Peggy McCall says, to flip that switch. That's what we are committed to do for the rest of the year for all of you and for ourselves. You're going to be seeing some amazing personal messages come out of the team here at the show because more than ever, this is a time of education, information, inspiration, and a little perspiration. My guest today knows a lot about that. You know, recent centers uh, uh, for disease control has estimated – now, I've done a number of shows on this, so this is a little shocking for me – estimated that the rising rate of autism has gone to one in every 110 births in the United States in 2009. When I did an entire series on this in 2008, it was one in every 150. And so think about the percentage of increase, if you could, not a mathematician, but think about that in one year. And if you follow the chart along in recent years, and you go back to 2007 and 2006 and so forth, you will see a progression that is unprecedented in, in just about any, quote, condition that we've seen these days, and especially, especially in children. It is one of the fastest becoming household words. We know very little about it, and we know even less about what the cause is. And so today... My guest, Dr. Marilyn Montero, has written an incredible book, Autism Conversations. We're going to take you on a journey of what this means to evaluate children, to look at the autism spectrum, and to understand what all of us can do better. Uh, Dr. Marilyn Montero is a licensed psychologist and expert in diagnosing autism spectrum disorders. Over 25 years, she has evaluated more than, are you ready, 4,000 children on the autism spectrum. Her clinical work focuses on evaluating evaluating kids, training other professionals, and help all of us, everybody, 
educators, clinicians, you name it, across the country understand what her methods are and to help us better understand these young people that do turn out to be adults. She's a frequent speaker, and now she's coming to us as someone that has put 25 years of experience and knowledge in an incredible book that will open up the doors for hope and, more than that, hope in action. Uh, Dr. Montero, thank you for joining us today. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Dr. Pat. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, you heard what I said when I did the series on this in 2008. It was one in every 150 uh, children were being diagnosed. Now the latest statistic, which has probably changed, um, that I just received is, what is it, one in every 110. So I have to ask you, how have you and what has this journey been like for you uh, in order to explain what you've done in the book? What is it that attracted you to this very early on? And what is it that has now compelled you to let people know that there are things that we can do differently with our autistic children? And welcome to the show. Thank you so much. This is an area that I feel really passionate about, uh, obviously working with people on the autism spectrum, supporting their families, and helping other people understand the culture of autism. I've been working, as you know, with kids on the autism spectrum since the early 80s, and at that time we were looking at mostly really children who had significant autism, children oftentimes who were nonverbal. It was very apparent, Dr. Pat, that they had neurological, biological differences. But at that time, people didn't really know much about how to access those kids, how to work with them, how to uh, help support their families. And there was sort of an element of less hope than there is now in terms of really understanding the culture of autism. And over the years, when I first started out, I was really wanting to, I was fascinated by how do we connect with these children as individuals. And that has been the theme of my work uh, over the last 25 years is to really honor and get to know the individual child that is uh, experiencing the world in such a radically different way. And uh, the way that one gets close to or gets to know a child uh, who has classic autism is to really begin to meet them in the place where they are functioning in their worldview and begin to make connections with them, and then you can begin to help them learn and develop. What's happened over the last uh, eight to ten years is we've begun to expand the definition of autism to be a spectrum of disorders, meaning we look at kids all the way from individuals who have significant differences in their development all the way to individuals who are very gifted in some areas but have some social differences. And part of the incidence rate increase that is so dramatic comes from that uh, sort of explosion of the higher end of the spectrum. So let me ask you a question that has always been sort of um, part of, you know, my journey and experience with young young children that are different. And what I mean by that is, you know, whether you are different learning or different period, uh, there is sort of a, a, a perception that people have. So I want to ask you, what do autistic children or children that have or are in the spectrum that you refer to you know, what is the public view right now? I want to go to that place for a minute. It's interesting that uh, you're talking about the public view because there is really such an awareness now of autism. It's in the news every day. But in my work where I'm working with actual individuals, families of young children, of toddlers who are saying, we saw a show on television, we listened to a radio show, we looked on the Internet, and, oh, my gosh, we think maybe our child has autism, there, there still is a lot of confusion. As you referenced in your introduction, it's something that is in the culture. People know about it, but everyone's idea of what autism is is uh, very different, and there really isn't a cohesive understanding in the general public about what that means. We still encounter, I encounter all the time, people who really are kind of insensitive to the whole uh, uh, area of having children with differences. Why don't you just control them or why don't you just teach them how to do things correctly? So parents are faced with uh, many stressors and challenges uh, in dealing with their kids. 
uh, who have autism spectrum disorders because the general public doesn't really understand it and is a little um, scared sometimes of children on the spectrum. And they needn't be. It's just really a matter of understanding that children who have autism spectrum disorders merely have differences in the way they're developing. If we understand those differences, then we can help them be able to uh, achieve all the things that they're capable of, of achieving. Um, one of the things that I think is so important to, to really clarify, and, and you just did, is the fact that, that we all have to have different skills uh, as to how we interact. And so what I hear so often from people is that they have they don't have a clue. You know what I'm saying, Dr. Marilyn? Yes. They don't have a clue. It's like they walk up to a family or they know a family and they know the child uh, is autistic or, or, you know, somewhere on the spectrum, and automatically they greet this child with fear, anxiety, resistance, sadness, you name it. And I wanted to ask you about that. Um, since first impressions mean so much, I think we're kind of oblivious to think that a first impression doesn't mean as much to a child that has autism. And I want to talk with you about that when we come back, and much more, as a matter of fact. Uh, what a great show today. Uh, this is a topic that is very important to me, and I'm hoping through Dr. Marilyn Montero's work that it will become very important to you in a lot of ways, that we'll be able to help each other not just understand about the autism spectrum, but more importantly, understand how to be the best people we could be to other people that may be different. And I didn't see, say less than. I said that may be different. The book that we have here today, and we're actually going to give out some copies, Autism Conversations, Evaluating Children on the Autism Spectrum Through Authentic Conversations. If you read this book, not only will you learn how to have these conversations with some of these children, but I will tell you that what Dr. Marilyn has put together in here will help you in just about every situation in your life. Let's take a short break. When we come back, we'll be talking about what are those first impressions are, how they should be, and what is it that parents need to be aware of, especially parents that have one of these gifted children. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. suffer from insomnia, body aches, fatigue, brain fog, digestive problems, weight gain, or anxiety? You may be dealing with unmanaged stress. The Stress Detective looks for the hidden messages within your stress and partners with you to create a wellness program to dismantle stress from the inside out. Learn to manage your stress and you can stop illness in its tracks. Call Susan Tyler at 888-629-4949 or visit StressDetective.net. Are you tired or struggling to get to where you want to be in your life? Want some help getting to that next level? Hi, I'm Dr. Melody Ivory, personal growth expert and passionate champion of your complete success. I'm excited to give you powerful books, teas, and coaching to help you easily transform your life from the inside out. Now is the time to make your life sing. Visit MelodyIvory.com for free articles, poetry, and affirmations. That's MelodyIvory.com. Welcome back to the Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 866-472-5788. Now back to the program. Here's Dr. Pat Basile. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By. And uh, my very special guest, Dr. Marilyn Montero, is joining me here today. We're thrilled to have her book with us here and her uh, joining the show as well. She's taken on one of the most, uh, what I believe is one of the most important conversations that we have today, especially about our, our children, and that is the autism spectrum what that means, and how each and every one of us can understand what autism is. And more importantly, what we need to know about these children that have been, quote, diagnosed as autistic. So, Dr. Marilyn, thanks for joining us here today, uh, and thank you for taking this, this topic on. I mentioned before the break that a lot of times we walk up to children that are different in some way. And I'm just going to say different, period. And 
we have a wide range. You talk about the autism spectrum. We have a spectrum of, uh, of different behaviors, emotions, and vibration that we as individuals portray when we do interact with, you know, a young person that may be different. And I want to ask you a couple questions. One is, you know, what is one of the, or one of the most critical mistakes that we could possibly make? And, and number two, what do we need to understand about ourselves, our energy, and about the young person that we are now in front of? Well, I think that uh, let's talk about the second point first, and that okay. is if you understand in terms of autism spectrum disorders, the more we can understand the key difference in the way children and individuals who uh, fall on the spectrum perceive the world, then we're going to be able to find a natural entry point to have a what I call more of a neuroatypical conversation. So, for instance, let me just backtrack and talk a little bit about uh, a good way, a way that I talk with families and with my teammates and with professionals about how to understand uh, approaching a child on the autism spectrum and making sense out of that word. Because that word, as we said, means so many different things to so many different people, and it's a very frightening word oftentimes and unsettling for parents. So if we back away from the word and we just think about uh, how development works, if we look at differences in development in three key areas, then we're going to understand autism. For instance, a a child who typically develops is really basically someone who likes to communicate with others and enjoys social interactions, enjoys the emotional connection with others, and seeks that out. Now, they may have things they're interested in and passionate about and enjoy doing, but that's not to the exclusion of uh, really a lot of communication with others and social stuff with others. So with someone on the autism spectrum, the entry point into the world for for children is different. It is a sensory entry point. Their world is organized around the things that they are interested in, the things that make them feel good, uh, collecting things, um, looking at uh, one little boy's into uh, fossils, although he told me that bivalve fossils are not as interesting as uh, trilobites because they're too common. Uh, but kids are interested in their uh, passions, their things that they're very much they pursue in the environment when they're in a, a social interaction. They're more focused on where can I get access to the things I'm interested in that soothe me, that calm me, that help me regulate. And that is their pursuit in terms of organizing in a social situation as opposed to reading the social cues, uh, wanting to get close to other people and talk with them. Uh, the second thing that regulates their world, besides the sensory seeking things, the things they're passionate about, the things they love, the second thing are the sensitivities. Children on the autism spectrum, individuals, because we would include adults as well, uh, who have sensory sensitivities to unexpected noises, to changes in routine, that creates anxiety, and that gets in the way of being able to uh, manage and handle social situations. So when we approach an individual who has differences of this type I've just described on the autism spectrum, oftentimes they won't look at us very much or they won't respond to our social chit-chat. So when I start a conversation with an individual on the spectrum, I start it out in the middle. I jump right into uh, talking about what they're interested in. I was with a little boy recently that was coming in to be evaluated by us, and he had had a diagnosis of ADHD. He'd had a diagnosis of obsessive-compulsive disorder. Every diagnosis had been thrown on this child, and the parents were very confused, and his school teachers were confused about how to help him. So he came into the evaluation, very, very bright boy, had very high intelligence on intelligence tests. Uh, he came in, he had this really ragtag, uh, worn, clearly worn many, many times, a T-shirt that had fossils and dinosaur uh, pictures on it. So when he walked in the room, he immediately slid on the floor behind the chair because he was totally anxious, didn't know what to expect, was really overwhelmed. So he sort of curls up under the chair, but I'd spied his T-shirt. So how I started the conversation with him, instead of saying, you know, oh, it's okay, explaining what we were going to do, encouraging him to sit at the table, instead, Dr. Pat, I said, hmm, dinosaurs from the late Cretaceous period are some of my favorite topics. And so he perked up, and he said, well, 
Uh, actually, I prefer the early Cretaceous period. And so we began our dialogue. So what did I do in that exchange? What I did was I watched carefully for the cues of what are his areas of interest, jumped into that, and then he seamlessly came to the table, began talking with us, did the things we needed to do for us to finish our evaluation. And on top of that, the most important thing from my point of view is that he really had an experience where uh, people were not telling him to stop talking about the things he's passionate about. People weren't putting him in stressful situations that he didn't understand and couldn't uh, really figure out how to be successful in. He had an experience, Dr. Pat, that was very positive for him. In fact, when it was time to go, he sat back in the chair and he said, uh, hey, I've got an idea. Let's have lunch in here. <laughs> because he was having such a good time he didn't want to stop. Okay, so let's talk about this because this is, I think, one of the, at least in my experience, and please jump in and correct me if, I, if I'm wrong, this is really so important and so cool. One of the mistakes I think we make, especially when we are in the presence of autistic uh, children, we make the mistake that they are not smart. We make the mistake that they are not uh, intelligent enough to understand what we're saying, what we're doing, and to have a conversation. And so I've even, believe me, I've even seen people talk baby talk to autistic children which is disastrous, it's ridiculous, but we don't know. And so without putting people down, I mean, I had to learn quite a bit through personal experience, but there are so many people, Dr. Marilyn, that don't know. So the first thing we assume is, wow, you know what, they're not very bright. So please talk about that for, for us, if you don't mind. Yes, and if you, if, if you imagine what it would be like if we put ourselves in the, uh, the, the shoes, if you will, of understanding what the world perspective is for an individual who is really experiencing the world through this sensory entry point as opposed to the social and language uh, and emotional entry point, what happens is that we, they have difficulty sometimes spontaneously sharing with us how intelligent they are or how much they're able to understand things. And so, and they may also need to have that predictability and structure of someone uh, coaching them to, to saying, hey, let's talk about your preferred topic or let's work on uh, puzzles that you like to do where we're not going to talk at all. We're just going to do Legos together to bring out that intelligence. And so I think one of the things that it, it helps people, for your listeners, in terms of how do you approach individuals with uh, autism spectrum disorder is go in with the assumption that that individual has, um, you know, skills, talents, intelligence, has, uh, uh, you know, an awareness, much more of an awareness of uh, you and your social interactions uh, with them than, uh, than you would think. And with that understanding, be able to start to back off and sort of read what the child is telling you. Now, that child may just talk to a child in baby talk isn't, um, isn't I don't think, so much a great idea uh, for anyone, but uh, unless they're a baby. <laughs> but when we're talking with children, being able to recognize what it is that they, where they're coming from. And when you're dealing with someone who's not talking to you, uh, which is the case with many children with autism. Language is more difficult. That doesn't mean that they don't have language, Dr. Pat. It means that it's difficult to uh, retrieve language, to use language without visual contextual cues. And so if there are no cues to help really sort of organize that language and the anxiety is high because there's no predictability with the social environment, you're going to have someone who doesn't talk to you very much. So a good way to approach an individual who has autism who doesn't speak very much is to not talk very much yourself. Many times what I do when I'm interacting with young children who are non functionally nonverbal, they don't use much language, is to not talk with them at the beginning. So I'm not I'm sending a signal that I am someone who is going to be uh who is going to be viewing the world and mirroring what they're doing in terms of if they're not talking, I'm not talking, but we're going to connect through sensory toys and objects. We're going to connect through things that are uh, meaningful for the child, that are interesting for the child. For instance, many times young children uh, who, have, uh, who don't have much language yet but have autism. I was with a toddler 
of a couple of months ago in the home, and the mother was concerned that toddler was showing some signs of autism and some speech delays, and yet he seemed very, very intelligent. He was under three years old, but he could go and pick out the specific DVD that he wanted and uh, point. You didn't point, but he could, uh, you know, reach out and touch the right buttons to get it started. So he showed signs of a lot of intelligence, but he wasn't talking. And so when we went in to do our evaluation with him, we sat in the, on the floor with this little toddler walking around, and rather than talk to him, uh, I got out some different sensory balls that had different shapes and textures, yes. and I would just put them close to him, and then I wouldn't really interact with him. And so he'd you know, go and get the ball, and he showed me which ones he preferred, which textures he preferred. Huh. We started a nonverbal conversation. I, I love this. I love this because this is really... A, a flipping a, a huge mis, misconception about autism, huge misconception. And so, I mean, think about what you just described. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk about what that means. We're going to talk about a level of communication that could happen without words. And, you know, honestly, most people walking this planet can't do things like that, if you know what I mean. But we have got a great great, great message today from Dr. Marilyn Montero, Autism Conversations. When we come back, we're going to be talking about what what it means to work with parents, what they should know, and what is the mission of Dr. Montero? What is she hoping to accomplish, and how can we help her? Stay tuned. We'll be right back with the Dr. Pat Show. Would you like increased health and vitality? Would you like relief from acute or chronic health issues? How would you like to avoid the onset of disease as well as slow the aging process? Would you like relief from allergy, weight, and digestive issues? This is all possible through a simple, safe, and natural technique. Whether you seek relief from health issues or desire to live at your optimum health and vitality, contact reflex analysis is a profound method which detects imbalances at a subclinical level, restoring health issues before they arise while increasing vitality and longevity. Discover CRA. Hi, I'm Mary Jane Mack. Every day we're moving toward wellness or away from wellness. I'd like to be your partner in achieving your optimal health and well-being. Contact me now at maryjanemack.com or call 425-392-0659. Visit maryjanemack.com. Reach your full potential and increase energy with the superfood of the Inca, Maca Magic. Maca naturally balances hormones, relieves symptoms of PMS, menopause, and erectile dysfunction. Maca increases energy, stamina, and endurance without caffeine. Visit MacaRoot.com. That's M-A-C-A Root.com. Call 541-846-6222. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. Products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Living your life to the max means that you can have everything you want. Empowerment Psychic Linda Dickinson can show you where you're headed and teach you how to change your future. Linda will share with you the messages of those who have passed before you. For a private session, visit InMyFuture.com or call 800-206-9096. Listen to Linda Dickinson on The Dr. Pat Show. Call in and hear how you can be the producer, director, and lead in your life. Today is the day to start living your life to the max. Welcome back to the Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basili. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 866-472-5788. Now back to the program, here's Dr. Pat Basili. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By. I want to give you some information. First of all, uh, my very special guest, Dr. Marilyn Montero, is joining us here today. And, you know, she has written an incredible book. This is a book that not only is going to help all of us understand what autism is, but more importantly, it's going to help us understand how to nurture, how to, how to grow, and how to respect uh, children that are different, period. Uh, more importantly, 
children that are on the spectrum, the autism spectrum. I want to make sure you all have information about how to find out more about Dr. Marilyn. You can go to her website, which is autismconversations.com. Really easy. Autismconversations with an S dot com. Uh, when you go to her website, what you're going to be able to find is lots and lots and lots of information, but more importantly, um, you're also going to be able to find um, how, out how you can get a copy of this book. It's pretty much right there on the site. Um, you're, going to, you're going to be able to see that there is information on here that will help you, that will enable you to get the resources you need. You, if you enter your email address and you just mention that you're a practitioner or a parent, you're going to be able to get some resources, and we're going to talk about that. Um, but more importantly, this is a gateway. This is a portal for all of us to understand how to deal with something, and it's just more than deal with it, but how to be present with one of these young children. And as I said, uh, a couple years ago, we were talking about 1 in 150. Now we're talking about 1 in 110. You know, if we continue on the pattern of autism in children, pretty soon we're going to be down to 1 in 80, 1 in 50, 1 in 20. And so let's get educated about what it is, what it isn't, and how we need to show up because it really is about us. Dr. Marilyn, thanks for joining us here today. Welcome uh, to the show. Thank you. And so I was that talking I about to... I was talking about the experience. I want you to finish talking about that experience, that conversation you had. It's you know with without language because that's such an important part. I believe in what you do, and I believe something that we really don't do well. <laughs> yes, I, I think really being able to uh, start the conversation with someone who is not having an entry point in the world through verbal conversation, doing that through a sensory conversation is really important because it is the, uh, the, the entry point that helps you then get to the language part. For instance, with this toddler that I was working with, as he played with the sensory balls, and uh, he began to approach me. And so then he began to look at me when, you know, many times young children with autism don't look at people. But he was interested in the person that was attached to this source of uh, a, a, a worldview that he really understood. So very fleeting, but he would look at me. So we made a connection and we made our conversation. So we started a routine, and routines are important for people who have who are generally nonverbal. So as we started the routine, I began, I put out a puzzle, and the puzzle I put out, because he liked putting together puzzles, I put out a puzzle that had pictures of objects that you would cover up with shapes. And through this process, I began doing some talking. I would say the name of everything as I put the pieces of the puzzle in. I would say school bus when he put the rectangle on. So again, instead of saying rectangle and labeling the rectangle, I labeled the picture. So he covers up all the pictures, and here he is with his little tiny toddler pudgy fingers putting it all together. And then when he finished with the nine pieces, I uh, held out my hand and I said, uh, for instance, I would say school bus. And he very quickly scanned the puzzle. He could no longer see the picture, and he plucked up the right, the rectangle and plopped it in my hand. So what we learned through this process is this boy has some language in there, that he has concepts and understanding of what pictures mean and represent. So he has language and understands verbal language. But if we had gone in and sat down and very at the beginning started to ask him to label things or to receptively hand me things, we wouldn't have had the connection. And if we hadn't had the connection, he might not have showed us that he knew that. So it's very important, I think, to make those connections. I wrote the book uh, to help practitioners because, and also for parents. And one of the reasons I wrote the book, Dr. Pat, was because really in the field of autism, many times clinicians use very clinical language because that's what we're taught in, in our profession is to use uh, words like disorder and uh, disability and those types of things. But those are those words, that language is very negative and very, uh, uh, very sort of uh, despairing for parents and disconcerting to say the least. So I wrote the book to really put autism in the framework of a language of talking about differences because if we talk about differences, it changes the conversation. Yeah. The emphasis yeah. shifts from how do we fix this? In other words, if it's a disorder, we've got to fix it, right? But if we say it's different, then what we're really doing is shifting the conversation to say, let's understand the child's unique worldview and start from there. 
Well, this is really kind of the message that uh, th- that you're bringing out to different people. I, I mean, part of this is, of course, first all of us understanding what autism is and what it isn't. Then the next part of this is really understanding how we have to show up differently. And I want to ask you about that. I want to have a conversation about what it's like for you and, and talking to uh, – let's start out with parents because I want to talk about this from a couple different ways, uh, Dr. Marilyn. I want to talk about it from how you have learned to bring parents on board so that they understand exactly what's going on. Because, I mean, honestly, it's tough for parents as well. And and there's a, a, a sort of a progression of education, information, emotional and psychological coaching that they need to get as well, isn't there? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You're making such a great point about the reality of parents who have are going through that gradual awareness of perhaps there are some differences going on. Many times it starts out with uh, they are the child is more aloof or the child uh, doesn't develop language uh, or doesn't respond to sounds in the way that they expect. Or it may be that they um, are real, the child is very, very smart but only talks about the things they want to talk about with children with Asperger's oftentimes present that way. So for parents, there's a gradual awareness, and it's uh, often accompanied by a sense of dread because of the fact that, well, what does this mean and how do you put it in context? So when parents are approaching uh, the evaluation process for their child, Dr. Pat, they oftentimes are really worried about uh, what they don't know, that they're uncertain about the outcome, understandably. So in my work with families, uh, with parents, one of the things I think is so important is to provide an environment for parents to be able to tell their stories to talk about their child in nuanced terms as opposed to uh, having them fill out checklists right away and just have click, 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 because no parent thinks about their child as a checklist. And they don't think about their child as a child with autism or a child who is, you know, using the term autistic. People don't think about their children that way. They don't see their children that way, and nor should they. So when I begin a conversation with parents, I start out with, instead of what happened at birth and going from there, although all that information is important, I start out the conversation by saying, tell me what's on your mind right now. What are you most concerned about? Mm-hmm. And then we also, I also want, encourage parents not only to tell their stories about their child, but then I also like them to talk about and recognize all of the ways in which they, their child is endearing to them, their child is special to them, their child has talents and uniqueness, so that they leave that parent interview and they leave the evaluation process with uh, the feeling that, wow, this isn't going to change who my child is or how I see my child, this is just going to help us understand him better, him or her. Let me ask you a question. What are the greatest challenges that parents have? I think some of the greatest challenges for parents who have children who are neuroatypical or different is really finding the support systems and the uh, strategies to help them cope with the, uh, the, genu- the things that the child's anxiety brings up because there are difficulties for children who are neuroatypical with following the flow, going on, following the agenda of the family as opposed to their own agenda, uh, being able to uh, make the transition from home to school, to go to the other uh, child's uh, family outing or soccer game and participating, all of those uh, things that in day-to-day life uh, for families who don't have a child on the spectrum are just events. Uh, can be really monumentally difficult for families who have a child with autism. And so having a a community of professionals and other parents who understand and support and uh, help them through these uh, and help them see the humor in it but also give them specific strategies and tools is very important. And I think that's really the the thing that parents... uh, you see so many parents are reaching out to each other and forming communities because that uh, it's so important that we're able to t- people are able to tell their stories and be heard and understood without having to go through a whole bunch of stuff beforehand. Parents oh. of children with autism get it. They understand it. And we need more and more professionals who get yes. it. And that's one reason I wrote the book. Is to and that's what we're going to talk it. about when we come back um, because, you know, you're absolutely right. Uh, I've seen the look on some teachers' faces when, you know, a child walks in the classroom 
uh, and you know, after knowing that this child is somewhere on the autism spectrum. And so there is a whole nother conversation that we'll have when we come back from break. I want to just let everybody know. Uh, go to autismconversations.com. That's the website. The book is available. Autism Conversations, Evaluating Children on the Autism Spectrum Through Authentic Conversations. Uh, my very special guest, Dr. Marilyn Montero, when we come back, we will be talking about how others, especially people in our education system, uh, can how they can learn more about this, what they can do differently, and what do some of the institutions need to get on board with. The other thing we're going to talk about is autism versus ADD, ADHD. Is it a fine line or not? Stay tuned. We'll be right back with the show. Athletes, diabetics, moms, let me tell you about a new high-tech energy gel called Chocolate Number 9. Chocolate Number 9 is made with only organic agave and the finest dark roast Belgian cocos. Number 9 contains no refined sugar. Number 9 is a certified low glycemic index item, and best of all, Chocolate Number 9 simply tastes great. Find out more at chocolatenumber9.com or call 866-999-1909. That's 866-999-1909. Are you tired of being overweight and nothing you try can get you to lose the weight and keep it off? What if there was a way to lose the weight that didn't involve dieting, buying other people's food, counting points, or having risky surgery? I'm Cheryl Manchester from Positive Changes Hypnosis to share some successes from people just like you. Janine Crosby lost 89 pounds in 10 months. Brenda Eckel lost 75 pounds and went from a size 22 to a size 8. She is completely free from her insulin for diabetes. Becky Miller lost 65 pounds and went from a size 18 to a 6. Bill Birdsong lost 105 pounds and a total of 14 inches off his waist. His pant size went from a 50 to a 36. Make a lasting change in your life. Call Positive Changes in Bellevue at 888-311-7157 to schedule a free consultation. That number again is 888-311-7157. You heard about it last year. You even thought about entering, but didn't. Now, life is giving you a second chance, announcing your second chance to change from the inside out with Dr. Pat's 2010 Holistic Makeover. So get on board. Winners will embark on a journey to make powerful change with the help and support of an entire team of coaches. Want to be a winner? Fill out the survey and tell your inspired story and how you plan to pay it forward. Go to drpatsmakeover.com. That's drpatsmakeover.com. Welcome back to the Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 866-472-5788. Now back to the program. Here's Dr. Pat Basile. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to the show. If you've missed any part of this, please make sure you catch it on our website, drpatlive.com or the drpatshow.com. Got a lot of really cool things going on, and uh, this show will be up in its entirety really soon, probably first thing tomorrow morning. Uh, if you've missed any part of the conversation about the book, you can certainly get it, Autism Conversations, with my very special guest, Dr. Marilyn Montero. Um, Dr. Marilyn, thanks for joining us here today. Let's give out, make sure everybody's got the right information about you, so let's take a minute to give out your your website, contact information, and anything else you want people to have. Well, in addition to going to AutismConversations.com, you you can learn more about uh, my practice at MarilynMontero.com, which is uh, M-A-R-I-L-Y-N-M-O-N-T-E-I-R-O.com. Perfect. Uh, So uh, back to the conversation about uh, teachers in institutions, and and that's kind of where we were left off, as well as, you know, that fine line between autism and what we now know is ADD, ADHD? With uh, teachers, there is a, a, a beginning, a much broader awareness of children with developmental differences, Dr. Pat, because uh, nowadays with that incidence rate being as high as it is and then ADHD being quite prevalent, most teachers encounter a child who has developmental differences in their classroom, general education teachers. But that being said, they really also need a template or a way to understand these differences and link them to an individual child because 
human experience is, and teachers fall in this, this category as well, is adults tend to think, oh, I've met one child with autism, so I understand autism. But every child is quite unique who have, shares these characteristics of an autism spectrum disorder, and what works with one child may not necessarily work with another. So in the book, one of the things that I've done is really help teachers as well as parents and professionals have a way to talk about the behaviors, talk about the way uh, they children act and interact in these key ways so rather than just focusing on the label, because if it, you say to a teacher, you're getting a student with autism, then they're going to conjure up all sorts of their own unique ideas about it. But if you talk with them and say, listen, the student that you're going to get in really needs some help shifting from his agenda to your agenda. Uh, so you're going to have to give him a little visual cue or a little heads up or a little routine so that he can shift his focus to follow your questions. Well, that's much more practical and useful, and we don't even have to use the word autism or ADHD, and the teacher has this tool she can use that helps give her some insight into that child's unique worldview. And, you know, this is really sort of a whole new way for all of us to really get in the conversation and chit-chat. And we, we all have to learn about this. I mean, this is not, I mean, when we're talking about one in 110 children, we really do have to get on board. There's no question about that. Um, and I wanted to ask you about misconceptions. I mean, we've touched on a few of them. I think the, for me personally, uh, one of the greatest areas that we really need to get some clarity around is autism versus ADD, ADHD. First of all, I don't even think we, we really even understand ADD, ADHD. All of a sudden there was ADD, now there's ADHD. I don't even think people know about it. What they do know is, oh, look, my child is really active. Let's go get some Ritalin. So... I would love for you to have a conversation about this because as I was reading your book, it was almost as if this book could also be applicable to other types of learning different children. But I don't know. I'm not the expert. Uh, there are absolutely the strategies in the book are ones that uh, speak to any time there is uh, some any type of neurological difference or perspective taking that's different in the world. Let's talk about ADHD and autism. When we talk about ADHD and autism, the first thing we need to do is move away from the labels and move into descriptive language where we talk about what we're actually seeing. For instance, behaviors may look similar with ADHD and uh, Asperger children in the classroom. They may be tapping their pencil. They may be looking like they're not paying attention. They may be uh, squirming in their seat. But there may be different reasons for that neurologically. With children who have more of an attention deficit disorder, I like to talk about it as understanding the locus of focus. Because the locus of focus for a child with ADHD is they have trouble screening out what's in front of them. You know, they're looking at this object over here. They're listening to the sound over here. They're having trouble focusing. Uh, with a child with autism or Asperger's syndrome, the locus of focus is interior or internal, and they're having trouble taking themselves out of that interior world where they're thinking deeply about, you know, fossils or SpongeBob or Mega Man, whatever, or Legos, whatever it is that they're kind of preoccupied with, and they're having, that's why they're inattentive in the world. So I think if we can move away from the labels, Dr. Pat, and move into having uh, people become better at describing the behaviors, then we're going to be able to link those descriptions to effective interventions. And that's one of the big messages in the book. What do you suggest? What would be your top three tips, let me just call them that, or teachings or or suggestions? If you had to pick three things that people need to know, need to learn, and be mindful of right now, what would they be? I would say in terms of understanding autism spectrum disorders, the first thing would be to understand, let's move away from the label and understand the unique uh, entry point and way of organizing that individuals on the autism spectrum have. Uh, because if we start with understanding that entry point, we can then uh, really appreciate, support, and help them flourish in with their skills and talents. The second thing uh, that of the three that I would say in terms of people understanding autism is to be able to uh, respect, honor, and listen to parents. 
parents know what they're talking about, and they live with their children, and they really need to have a voice in people understanding and listening to the stories they have to tell. And then the third uh, 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 piece of advice or, or point I would like to make uh, is really understanding how do you link that understanding of the child, that information with the parents to practical suggestions to empower uh, these wonderful, unique individuals who happen to see the world slightly differently so that they can achieve all the things that they're capable of. I love that. And what you just did is hit on something really important, and that is the perception that we have that children that have autism cannot be successful. And I think that is probably one of the greatest stigmas that we have to really overcome, isn't it? Because Absolutely. these children grow up to be adults. When we start with the diagnosis with parents, if we leave it with your child has autism, then we are leaving them with that stigma and we're leaving them with not a message of hope but a message of there's a, a debilitating thing happening. If we leave the parent with an understanding of this is how your child perceives the world differently, then we create a bridge, Dr. Pat, to begin to help that child flourish. And we help that family flourish and we add hope to the uh, to the picture. And we empower everyone. So... Uh, that's really the message I uh, am very committed to and passionate about. Well, I want to thank you for joining us here today. Really, really want to thank you for joining us here today. For those of you out there, Dr. Marilyn Montero, very special guest today, the book that she has got, which is absolutely incredible, so all of us can learn how to understand more compassion, but more importantly, how to be in the world, autism conversations. Thank you, Dr. Marilyn, for a great show and joining me here today. Thank you, Dr. Pat. All right, everyone, I want to make sure you know AutismConversations.com or you can go to MarilynMontero.com, Marilyn, M-O-N-T-E-I-R-O.com for more information about the Dr. Pat Show. Or if you have missed any part of this interview, uh, please make sure you check us out at DrPatLive.com. Thanks for tuning us in, turning us on. We've got lots planned for you, and remember... When you wake up today, if you're not awake already, and when you step out into the world, take a deep breath and remember to live life full out. We'll see you next time on The Dr. Pat Show. Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basili.